All right, one hour in the books, one hour to go. If you miss any part of the Travis and Sliwa show, you could always download it on the ESPN app or on iTunes. Just search Travis and Sliwa. Catch the full two hours every morning, Monday through Friday from uh, 8.55 to 11 a.m. Travis and Sliwa is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. So, Clinton, we, yes. got, um, we, we got a chance yesterday, and Dodgers had obviously the day off on Monday, and we talked about how – this was such a critical stretch for the Dodgers. Why? Mm-hmm. It's critical, first of all, because you're four games back of the San Francisco Giants. It's also critical because the Giants play six straight games against either Arizona or Colorado while you face the Phillies and the Mets. And I'm not saying that the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets are the two best teams in Major League Baseball, but they're fighting their own division race. And yep. Phillies had won eight games in a row coming into yesterday's game. Dodgers take care of business. Uh, obviously uh, handle business five to nothing, give up no runs. There was a rain delay that delayed things for about an hour and 45 minutes that saw Max Scherzer and Aaron Nola, both of those guys who were actually pitching great. Scherzer before the rain delay had six strikeouts. Nola had seven strikeouts. So both guys were dealing. Then you got into the bullpen. All of a sudden that became a, a huge benefit for the Dodgers, and that's where the Phillies broke down. Well, it became a bullpen. Excuse me. It became a bullpen game, effectively. You know, like I mean, it was almost a tale of two different games, and that's a situation where, you know, we talked about the importance. You just mentioned it, and the win is very important as well. But the shutout is what you take from that and you build upon, and you say, "Hey, this was better than just scratching by and finding a way to get a W." If you've got to go with that many guys in the bullpen and you get nobody passed, that's that's good for morale, as we like to say. That's what you want out of a bullpen situation. And the way he talked about it, by the way, Doc, that is, was hilarious. But that was the most impressive part to me about all this. They needed to win, sure. They're on the road, definitely. But getting a shutout after an oddball weather delay situation, tremendous work. Well, take a listen. Dave Roberts used six relievers. Take a listen to what he thought about some of the guys that were pitching. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I would say – if fifty uh, percent is the is the line, I probably would have taken the under on that. So um, the most important thing is I do know them now, um, but I'm still kind of learning these guys. But um, I'm happy to have them. They they've been great for us, and um, just kind of with what we're going through, it, it it's just crazy. And kind of talking about the guys that are on the injured list, um, you know, on our roster, all this kind of stuff. It's it's crazy, but it creates opportunities for guys, and guys are stepping up. So listen, Clint. If you know fifty percent of your bullpen bullpen guys, that's that's a pretty good number right there. <laughs> well, okay. He was asked if he knew their names, mm-hmm. and he was also very non-committal on that answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not necessarily convinced that. Like, what does knowing fifty percent of names means? Does that mean that you know half of the guys' first names, or does that mean you know <laughs> half of the guys' first and last names? Get 41 you know out here. All of the guys' first names, or mm-hmm. all of the guys' last names. I you think know, he, very... was, he was hoping the reporter wasn't like, all right, can you name them? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> ask again. <laughs> exactly. He had to find his way out of that. But, no, that's a funny question. But, you know, I mean, again, the bullpen got it done last night. It. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the headline here. You know what I'm saying? And sure, it might not have been the high leverage situation that everybody wants to see Kenley perform in. But as far as I'm concerned, the games in this series are as high leverage as it's going to get for this point of the season, for sure. Well, the, look, it tells a story, too. This has kind of been the Dodgers season, right? Yeah. Every time you start feeling like, hey, I think we're getting healthy. I think we have everybody. And then you, you got more guys that are out. We spent some time yesterday talking about this, but there's a, just a little bit more update. Most, uh, Mookie Betts most likely will be on the 10-day injured list. Justin mm-hmm. Turner could come back maybe at some point during the weekend, but this is the shuffling that the Dodgers are having to kind of figure out on a game-to-game basis. And that's part of the reason why Dave Roberts is you know joking around when they ask him, hey, did you know all the guys in your bullpen? And he's you know laughing at the, at the quote, but here's the reality. He's had to juggle, obviously, a lot of things um, you know, so far this season. I, I find I find this part interesting. You said something that it wasn't a high leverage situation, mm-hmm. as in it's not like it was a one nothing game or a two one game and it was the ninth and you had to close out. They won five nothing. Right. But it's a high leverage game. And I, I think that's the the best point that you made right there that ultimately at the end of the day, 
Nobody cares what your lineup looks like. Nobody cares if a couple of guys have some bumps and bruises right. because what the San Francisco Giants have proven and have shown, I remember doing shows with Travis three months ago, and it was, ah, come on, Giants aren't going to hold on. Two months ago, okay, at some point Giants are going to go. Even yesterday listening to the Dodgers postgame show on Spectrum, everybody's like, yeah, I, I don't know what else to tell you. They're for real. They're not going anywhere. And even though they barely got a win yesterday against the Diamondbacks, they won a game. So for the for the Dodgers, it, it's not, you know, how you win is one thing, but I also think it's right now any win that you can get, you have to get it. You can't fall five, six games behind. You're, you're skipping over the most important part of the game, though. What do you got? I mean, as the president of Base Running Twitter, my phone blew up. Okay. Blew up. When? I mean, I'm talking – I, like between Twitter notifications, yep, texts I got, uh, I know, I know, I know which moment. I know DMs. Which moment. It was everybody. It was Muncie solo homer in the ninth. Uh, yeah, that. that yeah. <laughs> Pollock's two run single in the sixth. Was it that? <laughs> Every, that was funny. Everybody and their mom wanted to talk to me about Trey Turner sliding in the home. And reminder, what did I tell y'all yesterday? Literally on this program, I said he is an exotic base runner that Mm -hmm. does things on the base pass that you don't see on the big league level, and that puts pressure on teams. (laughs) How sweet was that slide? The the slide, it was – it was so smooth that it almost bothered me. Yeah, it almost was fake. It was a warlock situation. Exactly. It was it was a combination of like, yeah, sometimes you see somebody do something really smooth, and you're like, Al, why can't you be that smooth, bro? Like, why? <laughs> that was so smooth, it was almost a little bit annoying. It was like just, dripping in swag. It was like he just he just, just rolled too much. up and walked off. Y'all like, are hating. No, Y'all I did saw not myself. Know. I okay. saw myself trying to do that and tumbling, turning my left ankle and tumbling four times, and that's you know that's going to be my video clip. Uh, Trey Turner looked so freaking smooth in that play, and they were talking about it in the post game. No more Garcia Parra just kept saying like, "Are you kidding me? Like how smooth was that?" I mean, <laughs> listen, they won the game. Put that to the side. Um, Trey Turner, I got a feeling we're going to continue to talk about more and more over the last seven weeks of the season. Clinton, like you were mentioning yesterday, that this is a dude, there's so much chatter around Max Scherzer that I feel like it's starting to shift now. Because once the trade went down, it was like, oh my gosh, they got Trey Turner too. Oh, it but shifted. Do you gonna see say, what's going on Now you're seeing him mentions. every single day and yes, yeah, it's happening. Everybody in the world is talking about that Trey Turner slide. Let me break that thing down from a fundamental standpoint as well, okay? He's got the mitten moving. All right, for those of you who are at home looking to chalk talk the the, the fundamentals of this, he gives the slide by with Mm -hmm. the left. And the reason why the pop-up was so tremendous from an actual – He already changed his angle. He started walking over towards the dugout. Bro. How How do you do that? I mean, from a fundamental standpoint, a pop-up slide is a thing. But the reason he popped up, he could have kept that thing going through, but the umpire was there. And the umpire, I don't know who who Blue was that night at the plate, did a lovely little sidestep strafe and just gave the mm. the safe sign. Low mm. key. Didn't didn't make a big scene. Because listen, so some he was plays smooth at too. the plate. He was trying to, you know, he knew that he was part of this. Right. This, but he didn't want to overtake the play. It was a tremendous piece of umpiring, and we talked about umpires yesterday as well. He just stepped aside and said, oh, that was nice. And, you know, Trey sort of looked back with, like, oh, my bad, Blue. Almost got you. He's like, oh, no, you're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything about it. And even the catcher just sort of looked back, like, okay, he's gone, came back up and was looking. Like, it was great. It's a great play all around. Tremendous ESPN. day. He's running Twitter. ESPN Los Angeles just, like, posted the GIF of it, and it's almost mm-hmm. even better just watching it over and over again on the GIF. It's like <laughs> right. a dance move. It's just yes. so good. Figure skater level grace. That's what it was. Unbelievable. Yeah, I find myself more upset now about it. You know, where I wanted to give it credit before. Now you call this I'm, hating. I'm in hating. Business yeah, slate. now I'm hating. Now I'm just no. <laughs> it, it was it was incredibly smooth by Trey Turner. Okay, put yesterday's game to the side. Tonight, Dodgers uh, go up obviously against the Phillies again. So this is a three game set they have against the Phillies. Quick hot David take. David Price. May I say this? Yeah, what do you got? Let's hear it. Let's hear Sorry. it. Sorry. Quick hot take. Mm-hmm. The slide that Trey Turner had when he scored from first was technically, as the president of base running Twitter, okay. in fact, a better slide. Just just saying, just saying, got to a place, did a thing in a different way. This was smooth. The technique was crazy. 
But I, in fact, think I might like this one better. I think the other one was an, was actually a better slide. That's okay. Any more on the slide? No, no more. Okay, no more on pace. I want you. To, I want you to get it out because I, if I just I needed to say that that was the last thing I needed to say about it because I'd forgotten that and I didn't feel like arguing about it on Twitter yesterday. I think we That's need it. two hours in the slide. Let's break I mean, it down every you know, second. Listen, I, I listen. You guys, you guys don't know my life. There will be two hours in my real actual life on the slide with my friends. That's after the show. So anyway. okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So th- this is what we got later this afternoon. So four o'clock against the Phillies again. Um, this will be an interesting one tonight because it almost feels like when when Walker Bueller takes the mound, there's a okay, well, uh, you're giving up one run, maybe two runs at the most, and now right. it's just a matter of Dodgers making sure they score a couple runs. You're going to get the W. Scherzer, even though he only pitched, was it three and a third or something like that yesterday? If if Scherzer gets the opportunity to pitch more in that game, you're just going to assume that he did something similar that that he uh, that he performed against the Astros, Pencil and he's going to go deep start. in the game, yeah. right? Okay, now you're off those two. Um, those two are are out of the mix. Even though you'll get Bueller, I think on what's today? I think Friday you get Bueller again. Today's one. So David David Price tonight or this afternoon. Kyle Gibson for the Phillies. Uh, he's eight and three for the uh, for the Phillies. These are kind of desperate games for Philadelphia. So, you know, we talk about desperate for the Dodgers and Mm -hmm. um, you you can't allow the Giants to go up six, seven games by the time this week is done. If you lost a couple of these games and Giants continue to handle business against teams they're supposed to win. This is one of those games where it's not Bueller. It's not Scherzer. Even Ureas, who's been unbelievable and fantastic, and I know he's pitched much more innings than he's ever pitched in his career, but he's still, um, you know, obviously delivering for the Dodgers. This is the interesting one because if there's a game that you would expect the Phillies to try try to take advantage of, it would be tonight against, uh, against David Price. And the thing is that that's such an indication of how – and Trey Turner was talking about this yesterday. The depth on the team is not just depth in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Staff has incredible depth. To have David Price, I mean David Price. <laughs> I need I run down his his resume. A, I do not. Excellent point. You're right. We don't David talk Price about him enough. Mm-hmm. Is an incredible pitcher. The fact that he is the swing guy, you know, in terms of a spot starter, swing guy meaning he swings between either the rotation or the bullpen is amazing. Like Four and one, by the way, that, so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having that luxury, I think is incredible, and it just speaks to, I just want to say this, I just speaks to this out of how this roster is constructed in terms of how good they actually are. Because you're right, you would think that the non-Scherzers, the non-Kershaws, the non-Uriases are the winners. That you'd have an opportunity, right? You'd yeah, have an opportunity, but, like there's a hole. But you got to deal with David Price. Mm-hmm. Who's the real deal? David Price is one of the best pitchers of his generation, quite frankly. You know, and so it's just it's just amazing to think about how deep they are from a staff and rotation standpoint, as much as anything. To have him as your fourth or fifth guy. Okay, one other thing that I want to make mention of, and we hit on this for a quick second. I want you to explain your angle because I was telling you earlier we were talking about. I said there's some similarities that I take. It makes me think of the Lakers season, this past Lakers season. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'm I'm pushing too much on this, but Lakers obviously came off a championship and then. All of last season, it seemed like every time the engine started going, something would happen. That they never really fully got to put their foot on the gas and just watch the Lakers go through the playoffs or go through even just the regular season. The Dodgers, it's a completely different story. It's a completely different sport. I get all that. But every time I, I feel like we're having so many conversations about players beat up or players need another, you know, they're going back on the injured list. We talked about Clayton Kershaw. This was a couple days ago. Now Mookie's back on there. Does it feel that way for you, Clinton, that you look at this Dodgers team and it seems like every time they just start getting going, it's another injury, it's another guy that goes down? It does feel that way, but the other side of that, Slee, and the reason why we were talking about it earlier is because the implication is, well, once you get everybody, it's just a matter of getting to the playoffs and then kaboom, everything will be fine. Now, I do not subscribe to that for baseball for a number of reasons. Number one – that just very rarely happens. Number two, you know, the sort of changing setup of the series matter, meaning, you know, look, a one-game situation, you just don't know what could happen in one game. And number two is that, like, baseball more than any other sport, the possibility of making a run, at least in my opinion, from 
the wild card spot is very high. And I'm not sure. I'm honestly not saying this just to discuss the Washington Nationals, but like the year that the Dodgers lost to them, sure. Best team the Dodgers ever had. They didn't really have any real problems. They just lost, you know? And like that's something that occurs from a matchup standpoint in baseball, I think much more in series than it does in anything else. For the Lakers in the NBA, if you've got a better team over a course of seven games, you're likely to win. It's just the nature of basketball. There's less players. The way the situationals work out isn't the same. But baseball is a little different. And so not only do they need to get healthy, this is the reason why I'm bringing this up, is that they need to start actually banging some people out. You need Mm -hmm. to see it so that the guys on the squad know it and you've seen it happen. Like, sure, it can come together in the playoffs, but you don't want to be in a situation where, effectively, you're sort of building the plane as you fly, which is kind of what Mm. they're doing at this point in terms of managing their roster from an injury standpoint. Okay, so this is where we are. 49 games left in the regular season for the Dodgers. Still four games back against the Giants. Obviously, another game um, this afternoon, 4 p.m. start. Dodgers and the Phillies from Philadelphia. Uh, let me give everybody just a quick idea of what we got coming up for the rest of the show here. When we come back, I got a chance to watch Untold Malice in the Palace. You don't have to be an NBA fan. You could just be a fan of sports. You don't even have to be a sports fan. My girlfriend was looking in the background like, what documentary are we watching here? What a great documentary. I want to talk about it when we come back. Fact or cap? Coming up at 10.30, it's what the cool kids do. I'm a cap guy. I always use that term. And then more Lakers basketball coming up at 10.40. Stay right here. Travis and Sleeva show. Clinton Yates filling in for Travis on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. All right, so, Clint? Yes. You got me hyped up about untold malice in the palace. Yeah. All right, so everybody who's listening right now, they can go back and think about that incident. Um, you know, it kind of takes you back. You'll know where you were. It's it's crazy, but I knew exactly where I was, you know, when I was watching the game or saw the highlights or whatever the case was. And... There's this kind of story that all we really know of that, you know, from from that night was whatever we saw on camera, and we really didn't get a chance to hear much from some of the players, and there really wasn't much of a back and forth that you got to hear from law enforcement that night. This is what makes documentaries like this so amazing, because we all know this night very, very well, but I don't think we all have the details. I think we got what the NBA wanted us to know, We got what David Stern wanted us to know. We got kind of some of the details on it, and then that was it. You know what? That's uh, Meta World Peace, Ron Artest at the time. You're suspended for the rest of uh, the season. Steven Jackson, you're gone for 30, 25, all that stuff. So I got a chance to watch this thing yesterday. Highly, highly recommend that um, you spend some time on Netflix. It's about an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Okay. I'll be watching it on a plane tonight. Okay, so first, let me say this. You got some questions for me? I mean, what, what, how do you want me to kind of describe it? Because I could give my description, but if you got any questions for me. I think my first question is, did you learn anything? Like, I, I mean, I know that you said that, like, okay, you can be availed of new pieces of information. But, mm-hmm. like, regarding sort of the, the optics, if you will, of that, of that night, did mm-hmm. you learn anything that had you known it then – would have changed your opinion about it looking back on it. Okay, absolutely. And I think, you know, the perspective that I had from that night was this. It was, I can't believe Meta went into the crowd. Um, I can't believe, you know, Steven Jackson was in there too, throwing some haymakers. Um, It was, man, look at these fans. They look like they're, um, you know, they obviously look like they're, they're looking for a problem too. That's hyped yeah. up because Ben Wallace is. But this is what I learned from watching the documentary. Okay, um, I didn't know there was such a backstory to before that game. 
if let, let me kind of play this out. So yeah. the series before the playoffs um, before the that was game seven of the regular season before they faced each other in the regular season. Detroit beat the Indiana Pacers to face the Los Angeles Lakers and beat the Lakers with Carl Malone and, and yes. Gary Payton and Kobe and Shaq. I didn't know that in that series before, Meta had a huge flagrant foul against Richard Hamilton that probably cost them the game. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that that series was that close and that competitive. I also didn't know going into the offseason that all the Pacers cared about was we want another shot at the Pistons. And, you know, we're going to try to do work against Detroit. If we, if we beat Detroit, we got a good chance of winning a championship. Right. So I didn't know that backstory leading up to this game. This was the first time they were facing each other. It was in the regular season, and they were trying to send a message. That was kind of the idea. Right. Indiana dominates the game. Steven Jackson came in the offseason. Indiana dominates the game. They're up 15 with under a minute left to go. I did not know that um, uh, Tinsley – what's his first name? Is it Jamal Tinsley? Jamal, yeah. I did not know Jamal Tinsley towards the end of the game with 15 sec- or uh, up 15 with a minute left or so tells Meta you can go get your foul now. Okay? Mm. Steven Jackson says this is, you know, while they're doing the uh interview or they're, or they're talking about it, says, "What do you why is Tinsley telling Meta World Peace telling Ron Artest you could go get your foul now?" Steven Jackson was the guy guarding Ben Wallace, okay? And Steven Jackson said, I just pulled away and I, I got out of the way. There's 45 seconds left in the game. You score, you score, it doesn't matter. Meta came and gave him one. Mm. Gave Ben Wallace. That kind of started this whole thing. Tinsley right. says, you can go get your foul now. Um, okay. And then, then you know, Ben Wallace reacts the way Ben Wallace does. Meta said the reason why I fouled Ben Wallace is I just didn't want him to get a bucket. I didn't want him to get. I didn't want to give up a, a free shot. And then Meta goes into his why he laid where he was laying, and he kind of went into this. You know, at the time, I guess um, he was in therapy. He was seeing somebody for his mental. It was, was weird, but like mm-hmm. you know, Meta did weird things, for lack of a better term. It didn't harm anybody. It was just, I would just say, unconventional to be lying on the scorer's table. Okay, so this is where – these are some of the things that I learned from that point. First of all, okay. that kind of shares some of the story, some of the things I learned. The Tinsley part was, was fascinating to, to yeah. me. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? Okay, so they start then showing so many different angles of how this all unfolded. Who threw the beer, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of that starts it off. You, you actually are seeing the footage of the guy who threw the chair towards Jermaine O'Neal. Okay, you, they're interviewing the guy that came on the floor and squares up with Meta. Remember, <laughs> remember when smoke. he squares up with Meta? They're interviewing the guy uh, where Jermaine O'Neal. Reggie Miller literally says this in the documentary. He says, "If Jermaine O'Neal doesn't slip, he probably kills that guy." In you know that remember that right that very famous play where he went after him and he falls. Yeah. The guy that he hit says, well, that was a cheap shot. I wasn't even looking at Jermaine. All this, you're getting all this, these different angles. I, I didn't know cheap any shot. of this. You were on right, the court, it's, bro. It's, it's stupid. Yeah. Okay. The, the, <laughs> anyway. the, the thing that stood out to me most was, bro, I, I don't know if I really kind of understood or sympathized with the player's perspective as much as I did after yesterday. That's one of the reasons why when we talked about this, I was interested to see it at all because, like, I, I don't know. Like, that was a time – I mean, what year was that specifically? I think 2005. Oh, 05. Okay. I so I was – I mean, I was – I was working in radio. I did not – I hadn't yet to be – I mean, the sports writing I had done and all that was all college stuff, so all the guys I knew were athletes. The reason I say that is this. 2004, like, November 19, 2004. The reason I say that is this. I was still in college. Is that – like, as I've come to know more athletes through doing the job that we do, Alan, you start to realize, like, just how hard it is to live the life. You know what I'm saying? In terms of how often you've got to be just on for people to look at you, never mind perform your duties as you're paid for your contract. And so mm-hmm. when I saw this documentary was coming out, that's why I said yesterday, I was like, I wonder what this storytelling is going to be like. Like, are we going to get a humanized version of all of the individuals on the court, or are we just going to get a bloodlust look at a fight? Now, for you to say that you didn't understand the player's perspective, I totally get because the player's perspective was not a thing we had heard, and it wasn't something that was part of the regular zeitgeist of how we talked back then. Now, everything is about the player's perspective. That was something that had to be 
taken. Mm. You know what mm. I mean? It was never respect that was given. And so I'm fascinated to hear about how they talk about that because I got to imagine that was one of the most dehumanizing moments of their lives, flatly. You know what I'm saying? And not because they were fighting, but because people were throwing things at them. Like, this is not a zoo. You know what I'm saying? Like, in these days... When we talk about what fans do in the stands, like Russell Westbrook, for example, talking about how Utah is one of the worst places in the country yep. to play. You yep. know, a uh, guy gets a, you know, he's also the guy who gets a, a box of popcorn dumped on his head. Mm-hmm. Kyrie, uh, you know. Water bottle thrown in his direction. Water Trae bottle Young thrown gets his spits, way. spit on when he's on the sideline trying to inbound a play. Like that kind of stuff now we recognize as totally foul. But then mm. – it was not the default reaction. It was, oh, look at these wackos going up into the crowd. What is this? It's like, hold up now. You know what I'm saying? Well, Y'all can't well, just be acting any old kind of way and expecting nobody to do nothing. Clint, they spent a lot of time, too, on grabbing all these clips from newscasts and saying, look at these, you know, the words they were using, right? Description of players were thugs, hooligans. And mm. they're explaining that the perspective was this is all on the players. The fans have nothing to do with it. It, it talked about how limited amount of security was there. I think there were three cops on the court when all this was going on. The dude that comes up to um, one of the cops comes up and Reggie Miller is, you know, you, you see the video happening. He's holding pepper spray in front of Meta, and you got Reggie saying, what are you doing? Like, go th- look at all the fans that are coming on here. Why are, you, right. why are you coming at Meta? So it was looking at a different perspective, and I, I think the one other thing that, uh, and again, this is Untold Malice in the Palace. It's on Netflix. I sound like I wrote it or something, and I'm, I'm promoting it like it's my <laughs> book know. or something. It's, good. it's a big but, moment um, in NBA history. But the one other thing that I think stood out to me is, what were the repercussions? You know, you always want mm. to kind of be in a position where, okay, this happened. What's justice? What's fair? Right. Guys that came on the court and are squaring up against uh, NBA players are getting very, very small community service. Like, these are the repercussions that they have. Meta, Meta was suspended for 86 games if you include the playoffs and he lost $4.5 million. Jesus. Tell me where justice is served, right? Like, the cop the cop that's in there, the guy that threw the beer, his name was John Green, and he got two accounts of salt and battery. He said, okay, who do you blame the most in this whole thing? He says, John Green. John Green doesn't throw the beer. And yeah, doesn't this hit doesn't Meta. happen. Meta doesn't go into the stands. And right. So I, I think that when they're explaining it from a player's perspective, that's what I thought was most fascinating because where, you know, what fan – was was going to get $4.5 million of a fine or Steven Jackson lost 30 games, whatever that totaled up to be. Jermaine O'Neal was actually the only one he went out of his way. He got 25 games. He fought it in court. He fought the NBA in court, and he got those 25 games back. And Really? I, I, he got he got those uh, he won that uh that battle or whatever the case is. Arbitration or whatever. Court. Good for him. Yeah. Huh. So so go see it. If you haven't seen it, yeah. uh, that's the best way I could describe it. And I know you got some MLS tickets to give Yeah, out. I'm going to check out that movie. But first, the 2021 MLS All-Star Action comes to Los Angeles. That's August 24th and 25th. It's at Bank of California Stadium. We're giving away tickets all this week. Call 877-710-ESPN. Caller number seven wins a four-pack of tickets to the All-Star Skills Challenge. It's presented by AT&T 5G. Plus, you'll qualify for the grand prize Four tickets to the 2021 MLS All-Star Game presented by Target. Watch the best of MLS and Liga MX face-off. Four tickets as well to the MLS All-Star Concert presented by Heineken. I will be there. And also four MLS All-Star jerseys. And, of course, the largest prize you just might get to meet me. I'm kidding. Grand prize winners announced on Friday. Tickets are on sale at MLSsoccer.com slash All-Star. All right, Factor Cap coming up next. This is only for people who have TikTok. Only the cool people can be a part of Factor Cap. That's coming up next, 1040, talking more Russell Westbrook and the Los Angeles Lakers. Travis and Sliwa Show on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Travis and Sliwa Show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. It's timer factor cap. Clint, I don't know if you know this, but Travis and I are huge TikTok guys. Huge TikTok guys. So because we're so big in TikTok, Emily tried putting together something that can kind of tie the two together. So please, Emily, uh, your factor cap. All right, just to explain again, I'm going to give a statement, and you guys say whether it's fact or cap, and cap means false, incorrect, lying. So we're going to hop right into this. Can I, can I say something quickly? We need to get some production for this that has, like, actual cool people using that word so that we understand, like, you the know, cap. in the cap. flow what Alrighty. we're actually doing here. That's something to work hey, on, guys. Hey, Morales, the cap. There it is. We got it. We got it here. You just need Alan saying cap a million times. Um, okay. So yesterday was the introduction of Russell Westbrook, um, and he was out there with Rob Palinka and Frank Vogel. But Rob Palinka looks like a vodka water guy, and Frank Vogel looks like the HR manager at Dunder Mifflin. Clinton, is this fact or cap? These are facts. I mean, I got completely distracted in the pre-show meeting because I came across this photograph yeah. Rob Palenka, Michigan basketball's Rob Palenka, by the by, which means he hangs out with cool people and has been doing so for a long time, dressed like he's going to brunch. And it's a great look. But being a <laughs> – the thing is, is that like I don't really know what a vodka water guy looks like, but I do know that Rob Palenka looks like a vodka water guy. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, Frank Vogel. I mean, what are we doing with the tailor here? You know? What are you talking we, about? We've got to get some better like, looking suits. Uh, this is a, like a right out of a GQ magazine. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, Sliwa, you said you wore the suit to the function yesterday. Big, We're, by the way, it was so inappropriate for me to be wearing a suit. I have no idea what I was doing. Sliwa, were you, were you the only one? No. Well, no, no, no. Frank no. Vogel was wearing a suit, as was Rob Palenka. That's and what Jim I'm Hill. saying. Jim like, Hill, of course, is wearing a suit. Who? Yeah, Jim, Jim Hill. Hill. Well, yeah, Jim, Jim Hill's Hill, a lot. He's in a suit. I, I yeah. feel like if I saw Jim Hill in anything other than a suit, I would have to look away. Like it's something I'm not okay. supposed I, to see. I, I gotta, I gotta jump in on this. I'm gonna go cap on this one. First of all, Rob Palenka looks like he's having a perfectly sized salmon and salad at lunch, <laughs> and looks like he's definitely counting every single thing that goes into his body. And is the most organized individual uh, within the Lakers organization and on the face of this planet. That's what that's what Rob Palenka looks like. He doesn't look like he's having vodka because it's not good for him. That's yeah, that's, that's that's how I look at Palenka. That could be. Now could for be. Uh, for Frank Vogel. Okay, Dundler Mifflin. I I get it. I understand what you guys are saying. He is. He's running a successful company. That's what he's doing. He's a sales manager. He's running a successful company and he's making it happen. All right. What else we got there? All right. So. Uh my next statement is the Toronto Raptors have the best throwback jerseys of all time. Alan, is this factor cap? Toronto Raptors have the best throwback jerseys of all time. I'm going to go cap. Um, let me think of a couple that Lakers are more, you know, that's more kind of a, a standard. They have their iconic jerseys. You know, jerseys kind of stand out to me. The Sonics, Ooh. Seattle Supersonics. That's a good I don't call. know. I, I don't know. You know what it is. Remember back in the day, Sean Kemp used to posterize everybody. Yeah. Lakers used to always have tough, tough matchups against the uh, Sonics. I, I go Seattle before I go the Raptors. Right. I had a good day. The Lakers beat the SuperSonics. Are you referring to the Torontosaurus uniforms? Oh yes, for sure. Okay. Funches, now, are those the ones that you like? Because Funches is a big Jersey guy. Oh man, I lo- my favorite Jersey might be the purple Charlotte Hornet Jersey. That's a great jersey. Yeah. But here's what I'm going to say about the Toronto Raptors jersey is this. Like, so, you know, in Levitar, they used to do that bit back in my day. And then Amin would do the black in my day. I did this thing once called whack in my day where I would describe things that were, in fact, whack at the time. Mm-hmm. That we look back upon now and we're like, oh, those were dope. The Toronto Saurus jerseys in the moment were terrible. Nobody liked those. They were not that cool. And now we sort of look back on them as like, oh, yeah, those were so dope. They were way busy and way hectic. And if you were catching, if I caught you wearing that in high school, you might have caught the hands. You know what I'm also saying? Also that Vancouver Grizzly one, too. People the Grizzly, love that like, one now. These were not cool back in the day. They're cool because they remind us of a different time now, but they didn't look that good then. So, no. That's cap. couple, it's couple classics. Uh, Denver Nuggets, their old school jersey. That's, yeah. that's a decent one. Yeah. Um, the Nets have. Uh, I, I just think of this. I also Julia, like the old Julius Dallas, Irving and the Nets one. The old yeah. Dallas Green ones too. Yeah, those are cool. There's a lot of dope NBA jerseys back in the day. But I'm, I'm not saying, a fan of the Miami ones, by the, the way. The Toronto Everybody, ones. Time has done them well. Also, the old uh, Golden State Warriors one, the blue one. 
Those are okay. Yeah, Funch is a big Jersey guy, clearly. <laughs> All what right. else we got there? Up next, uh, reportedly, the Loch Ness Monster has been seen two times in the last yep. 11 days. So, yep. is the Loch Ness Monster real? Clinton, is this factor cap? So, I saw... <laughs> look, is the Loch Ness Monster real as this factor Did cap? you watch the video? I did not watch the video, but I just okay. want to say that when... Emily emailed this to all of us. Yeah, she actually referred to the monster as. Nessie, oh no, she wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't which, messing around. Like which she's is hilarious. Yeah, should I be watching this video? Hold on. No, no, no. You're fine. And it I'm takes not, about okay. a minute and a half of ads before you finally get there. So oh, yeah, that's good. not happening. A diagram drawn by Mr. Vcock. Yo, this is Cap. I mean, like, why do people want there to be a monster in a lake? I don't understand that. I do not want this to be real ever. Monsters eat this people. When this we don't like people, one. we call them monsters. Why do we want monsters? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, this is an easy one. I saw it for myself. Uh, this is a fact. I've also okay. seen a couple UFOs over the last uh, seventy-two hours. Um, <laughs> did you bang you know, on I, the ceiling? Did you bang on the roof when he's <laughs> on the ceiling when you saw the UFO? You're like, hey, look, look out your window. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go I'll go fact only because I don't believe in any of it why not just put it in there anyways alright what do we got alright we got one more left Uh, Mac McClung is the new Alex Caruso Alan is his factor cap Uh, 100% cap okay (laughs) I'm getting angry and irritated everybody's comparing this guy to the great Alex Caruso. Do we did we forget what Alex Caruso has done for the Los Angeles Lakers? Are we throwing out titles and labels that quick in summer league? Funches, I don't know where you stand on this, Clint. I don't know where you stand, but put some respect on Alex Caruso's name. Four years, $37 million with the Chicago Bulls. Dude's a champion. This guy's got a lot to earn before we're mentioning him in the same sense as Alex Caruso. Alan Slee was pro comp, by the way. <laughs> I love Caruso and everything, but there's a reason why the Lakers just let him walk, man. I mean, hold on. Now, Wait a minute. The concern here, here is Slow that. Slow down. Sen- here, hold on. No, no, no. Slate, do not get. Do not take that bait. All right. Do not take that bait. You have an entire Lakers talk <laughs> show did, for By that. the way, okay? I definitely took that bait. Yeah, I was ready to. He sat saw, back. I saw the smoke coming out of your ears, man. Almost took my shirt off right now. Like I was Slate getting in a fight. sat back and went to a place. <laughs> I could just see him. I was like, do not do that. My question is this. How did we all come to know who Alex Caruso was? Please remind us. Um, more than anything else, uh, going back and forth between the G League, D League at the time and coming back with the Lakers. Literally, there'd be nights he'd play in both. So it was kind of earning his stripe with the Lakers. Yes, it started there. It started in Summer League as well. It started in Summer League. Okay. Mm-hmm. He burst on the scene in Summer League to the rest of us. Mac McClung, former Hoya, former Red Raider, Instagram legend in high school, by the by. Better dunker than Alex Russo. How about that? Slee, talk to me. Talk to me Boy about why dudes don't basketballs. Yeah, this isn't even a conversation. I almost find it. Uh, <laughs> this is offensive to the procedure. We should edit this part for the podcast. <laughs> I know this is on live, but when we go to the podcast, we should take this this whole part out. Mac um, McClung right. would beat Alex Caruso in a dunk uh, contest. That's enough. Yeah, we're done. We're done here. That is uh, <laughs> that is fact or cap right there. Um, I wish I could promote a TikTok. I just don't have anything. No. Um, okay, this is what we got coming up next. Nine years ago today. There was a Los Angeles Laker who, by the way, has had a couple different stints with the Lakers, um, made his appearance with uh, appearance with the Lake Show. Plus, Russell Westbrook yesterday had his introduction press conference, had some very interesting things to say about this upcoming season, about his fit with LeBron James. All that coming up next. Stay right here. Travis and Sliwa Show on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Travis and Sliwa Show is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you to discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Uh, nine years ago today. What's today, the 10th? Nine uh, years ago yesterday. Yes. Nine years ago so. yesterday. Do you know what happened uh, in the Los Angeles Laker world? Tell me. Dwight Howard, acquired by the Lakers in a trade. This was his first stint with the Lake Show, and now it is his third stint with the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Kind of, kind of crazy to see this dude 
it's crazy to just look back at when the Lakers got him, right? Yeah. And you just assumed right out the gate, okay, well, this is a championship. You got Dwight Howard, you got Steve Nash, you got Kobe Bryant, you got I mean, Pau Gasol. This is a wrap. Illustrated covers, it was great. This is a wrap. And then, obviously, things don't work out. Uh, Kobe gets injured. Lakers get swept by the San Antonio Spurs. He gets, I want to say, thrown out. He got ejected in his final game with the Lakers. And that was it. And and the next thing you see is there's billboards around L.A. trying to keep Dwight Howard here, and he's gone. He ends up with the Houston Rockets. And to kind of watch this full circle, we already did this, by the way. You know, we, we already went full circle when he came back two years ago, and then he ended up winning a championship with the Lakers. Now we're going to do it again. Uh, obviously, he went to Philadelphia for a year and came back. But it, it is kind of crazy to think that that was nine years ago and here we are now. It's his third stint with the Lakers. He was going by D12. like That's right. Still going by D12. Willfully associating himself with Eminem's side crew as a nickname, which is fine. I mean, D12 had, we'll just call them some jams. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily bangers, but they definitely had some jams. Like, that feels like it was a thousand years ago. You know what I'm saying? And before times, I mean, I'm looking at that Sports Illustrated cover. How fun is this? Is with the headline or whatever it said. How fun mm-hmm. is this going to be? Mm-hmm. And I, I just that just fun. feels like a million years ago. It's wild yep. to think about. Really okay. wild to think about. I want to play something here real quick. Russell Westbrook. We got a chance to uh, hear him yesterday in his press conference. Um, take take a listen to this. This is Russell yeah, Westbrook is. on how do you respond to those who say that this team doesn't fit. Take a listen to Russ. I don't respond. Uh, internally, we know what we have as a, as a team. We know what we need to do. We understand the sacrifices that um, that we all have to make to be able to make this thing work. Uh, and we're willing to do that to be able to have one of them to go and have to win the championship. All right, that was on Mason in Ireland yesterday. Russ uh, joined the show uh, right after his presser at Staples Center. You can catch any of that, by the way, on uh, just download the on ESPN app or on iTunes Mason Ireland podcast. So, Clint. Um, he doesn't respond. Yeah, he doesn't care what people think. Coach said something yesterday, too, that I thought was similar. They talked about, you know, the age, right? That's been the conversation about the Lakers. Maybe that's why there's a, a lot of people out there that say um, uh, the Lakers won't compete against the Brooklyn Nets or whatever the case is because they have such an older team. Coach Vogel yesterday was asked a similar question. He said, the motivation for us is a trophy, not what people are saying. I do feel like there is this kind of consensus it's not let's say the right thing. I think they genuinely don't care. They like their roster. Russell Westbrook thinks he's going to bring something that, you know, obviously nobody else that's on that Lakers roster can, and that was Russell's response to uh, a question uh, proposed by Mason in Ireland. I mean, I think there's also an element of, like, they're too old for this crap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, legitimately, where it's like, I, don't, I ain't concerned about what y'all saying, you know, the peanut gallery, this, that, and the third. We're basketball players. We know what we're doing. Like, normally – I don't really buy into athletes saying, like, I don't care or sort of creating false narratives in order to motivate themselves. But in this case, these are just grown-ass men who don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks. They got nothing to prove. Slav. Slav. I almost said Slav in between Trav and Slee. That was awkward. But um, they don't have anything to prove. You know what I mean? Like, you, we, we talked about that at the top of the show. What does Russ have to prove? Not much. You know, and collectively as a unit – what they've got to prove is to themselves that they want it, not to anybody else. Well, Clint, and just to play off that, there's nothing to really say because at the end of the day, you're going to get an opportunity when training camp starts. Regular season is going to get into flow. Then you're going to be in the playoffs. Right. It either works or it doesn't. And that, that's kind of the reality of it. I, I think the the risk that the Lakers are taking are worth the reward. You know, you yeah. can go back and say, well, you lost this player and you lost that player. That doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of the guys that the Lakers lost this offseason, they were role players. Uh, Russell Westbrook's one of the elite players in the NBA. Whether you like his style of play or you don't, Lakers felt like we got to go get a third star because last season when we came into the year and we signed Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell and Marcus Gasol and Wesley Matthews and we gave up a lot of veterans, they didn't think that one of the best players in the NBA was going to end up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I do feel like part of the reason why the Lakers had to make this move more than anything else is you have to counter what some of these other teams have done, yeah. whether in the Western Conference or what Brooklyn did as well. I don't think that the con- the countering is goes as far as the East Coast either, too. The West is good. They lost to a better team. 
The Suns, in my personal they opinion. They lost to can, a healthier team. Again, that's your opinion. I can be over here with my grape uncrustables. Do you that's think? What, do you, wait, just real quick. Do you think Suns I win thought that, that series when they played the Suns last year, the Suns were a better team in that series. Yes. Like, I, I mean, you can say what you want about being down 2-1, this, that, and third. Look, you know, the Suns went on to beat a couple other teams too, so it's not like that doesn't track. Um, my point is, is that, like, we can talk about the Nets, but Denver gets Jamal Murray back. The Jazz are still a competitive squad. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not necessarily just penciling it into the finals, and that's what makes this move even more shrewd, is that it would not have made sense for them to not react to what happened last year in total, as opposed to just what was on the Nets happening two years ago. You know what I'm saying? You know what's funny? I look at the entire Western Conference, everything that you just said, I just can't get sold on. I look at the Lakers. The only team I, I think I mentioned to you that worries me in the Western Conference is the Warriors. Because if Golden State takes some of their assets that they have and they go get a player by the trade deadline or something along those lines, that could be a problem. But obviously the Lakers just looking out for themselves. Dump coming up next. Stay right here. Travis and Sliwa on 710 ESPN. It is Travis and Sliwa on 710 ESPN. The Max Kellerman Show is coming up in minutes. It is the final segment of Travis Slee. And you know what we do for the final segment? It's got an unfortunate name, but a great purpose. It's all the stuff we didn't get to. We call it The Dump. Hi, Clint. So we're all getting excited, right? We're not uh, far away from the NFL regular scored on and make sure that he knows that you scored and just run your mouth in his face. But if you do your own type of celebrations, if you're doing stuff with your team, why is that? Why is that a problem? Help me understand that one. It's so weird. Like, it's especially taunting. Like, what is the big deal? It's the NFL. You know what I'm saying? You think these guys can't handle a little trash talk from their competitors? Right, they these got guys a two hundred and forty pound guy <laughs> sprinting and tackling him in the middle of the field. Like, I don't really understand where this moral outrage comes from regarding the world of taunting. I, I, I genuinely really don't. Like, you're throwing a flag for how growing. Like, I get it. You want to get you want to get into like, hey, no n bombs, that kind of thing. Okay, fine, keep it clean. Of course, but, like. What that has to do with the actual competition is beyond me. I don't know why the NFL keeps screwing this up. It's, it's well, this is, this is why I asked the question, because if at the end of the day, um, your consumer, you're trying to put the best product out there for your consumer. I don't feel like any consumers don't like some of the right. antics in the end zone after you ran for 60 yards and the crowd is going crazy. Like, I don't feel, you know, you spinning the ball and pretending like it's a fire. Like, what, what's wrong with that? Like, I, right. I, don't, I don't think they're – if you ask people, do you want this or do you not want it, I think more people, more fans would say, no, I think it actually adds kind of a cool element to the game. So why are you taking that away from the experience if really who you're trying to appeal to is your, your fan experience? NFL, no fun league. That's what it stands for. It sucks. All right, so it looks like we're going to get um, – we're going to get a lot of uh, touchdowns, hand the ball back to the referee. Yeah, like who wants walk. to watch that? you got to walk yeah. over to the sidelines. Don't you dare run. <laughs> right, walk. Don't, don't run. Don't, no horse play on the pool see deck. This. Okay. Is that Gatorade on the field? No, 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 no. <laughs> you go drink your Gatorade while you're sitting on the bench. You go sit, you drink it while you're sitting on the bench. Okay. Sit under the fan and you drink the Gatorade. Thank you. Um, help me understand this, and if anybody knows how this works, it would be great. I've heard the words NFT – for the letters NFT, a lot over the last, let's say, year or so. Mm -hmm. But if you ask me to actually explain what the hell is going on, I still probably don't know. So Michaela Maroney's stink face, is that what we're quoting, uh, Uh, quote, unquote? It's called something else, but uh, for our airways, let's say stink face. From the 2012 Olympics is going to be sold as an NFT for $1 million. Emily, I'm going to throw this to you. Help me understand what I just read. Because I don't, none of it made sense to me. So someone can buy the original photo of her stink face, and yeah. then it's it's their property. So it's it's they can always say that this is theirs, and so anyone else who uses it has. So to what pay if it. I Google image and it's there? That some somebody else owns it, even though that I could just screenshot it and print it out and do whatever I want with it. I don't know. Right, exactly. I'm not NFT and crypto (laughs) are sleeping in the same bed in my brain. I don't really know what it is. I kind of understand the basic framework. I don't really plan on spending any money to be involved with it. But if it ends up taking the world, I will be very upset. Taking over the world, I will be very upset. Let me tell you what what's crazy about this because Funches, how long have you been with uh, ESPN now? How long have you been here? Jeez, man, like 16 years. 16 years. 
he gave up all his money that he had in Fidelity, all for NFT. He's worth yeah. $5.8 million just in NFT. So, NFT, so you I, don't, I should be NFTs working anymore, man. I don't even know what I'm Bitcoin. doing here. There, 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 are right? certain people, there are certain people who can float these NFT dollars. Funches is one of those guys. Okay, so it sounds like all, <laughs> all four of us have no idea what NFT is. Um, I mean, Jeopardy I know what it is. Now, I just don't know why people like it. That's what it comes down okay. to. Okay. Jeopardy now has two hosts. Clint, can I let you take over this one and you could kind of explain what's going on there? So Jeopardy, after the passing of Alex Trebek, in which he sort of ushered himself off of his own show in a very graceful manner, mm -hmm. basically put out an open call, as we thought, to try to find a new host. Various people rotated through. LeVar Burton was very popular. Katie Couric even did a decent stint. Those of you who are fans of the NFL remember Aaron Rodgers was on there and a guy gave him some noise about his football career. It was funny. And of course, Mayim Bialik, better known as Blossom in my household, who by the by is also an actual neuroscientist, did not just play one on TV. She did a great job. And of course, like I said, LeVar Burton was there as well. Those were kind of the two front runners. So as it turns out, this guy, Mike Richards, the show's executive producer, who nobody has ever heard of, but he's hosted a couple shows, he just inserts himself as the host, basically indicating that they didn't really have any intention on anything other than this dude promoting himself as the main guy. And then okay, today- could this happen? Could this happen, Clinton? Just potentially could this happen? This is like a hiring from within, right? Like nobody yes. really is going to know the pulse of the company better than, let's use as an example, an executive producer or somebody gets promoted, they promote from within, okay? Yes. Could this be somebody that gets a lot of criticism or why would they do this or did this guy just insert himself there? But maybe down the road, people are like, you know what? No, this actually is a good fit. It makes sense. Or do you think it's going to be just a failure? Well, the failure part is in that today they announced that both Mike Richards and Mayim Bialik would be the hosts, but they're relegating Blossom to like the spinoffs and the Quiz side shows. stuff. You yep. know what I'm saying? It feels real panicky, and it feels like you're just you know adjusting to the backlash you got from this rando white guy, Mike Richards, just jumping in the seat himself. It doesn't feel correct. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't like the energy around this. I feel like okay. they're messing with the product in a way that doesn't make me feel good. You should have had LeVar Burton to begin with, number one. Number two, yep. if you weren't going to go with LeVar, you can't go with this guy who was otherwise clearly waiting in the wings. Just bad, bad, bad energy for the Jeopardy community. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Two, two topics really got you going today. This topic and the Crustables when yeah. I said strawberry over yeah. uh, grape. Grape and Crustables for know, life. Now I know where you stand on some of this <laughs> stuff. Okay, another one I want to get into. Emily, was yesterday the first day for Hard Knocks? Was that the first day? Yes, Cowboys? It was the, the first episode premiered last night. Okay, so last night Zeke Elliott uh, was trying to wrap a present for one of his teammates, said one of his good friends. Uh, here's my question to you, Clint. Very simple here. What's your uh, wrapping game here? Is it is Newspaper. It, uh, That's what I do. And I write with Sharpie straight on the newspaper. And I change yep, the sections okay. of the newspaper based on the type of gifts I give. So if I'm giving something to my dad, I'll use the sports section. If I'm giving something to, like, my sister, I'll use the style section. Oh, creative. It's actually creative. thoughtful. That's yeah. very thoughtful. I like that If I'm giving something to my siblings, I use – I mean, my younger siblings, I'll use the comics. How about that? That's going to be like uh, you put the classified in for someone who's unemployed. Be like, hey, make sure you look at this. <laughs> That's funny. How about Zeke Elliott taping something and saying the tape didn't even touch the paper? It was fantastic that he was trying to do this and missed completely missed the uh, the wrapping paper. This is, I'll tell you this what is I do my Uncrustables because I am like, he is using way too much tape. That it was such a waste. <laughs> I got so fired up just watching it being like, there's just a waste. I need to check this when out. I, when we get it around the holidays or something along those lines, I'm the one at the mall. I'm oh, yeah, paying. you go to yep, the gift wrap. I got, these are my presents. Yeah. Good to meet you guys. I'll come back in a half hour. Does that work for everybody? Come back, and all these presents are just That's, that's called resourcefulness. Wrapped, so You're a smart man, Slee. That's smart. And Clinton. Yes. Uh, fantastic time. Uh, I Thank know you, you got a flight to go catch. Yeah. Appreciate you uh, filling in for Travis and doing the show. Uh, tomorrow, Kirk Morrison in the house. We got a lot of stuff that we want to get into. Obviously, we're going to continue to react to the Dodgers and the Phillies. Make sure to tune in tomorrow. Travis and Sleeva Show, you can catch on the ESPN app or on iTunes. LA, have a great rest of your day. Max Kellman coming up next.